the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to City of God, a podcast of the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Dr. Owen Strand, and I'll be your host. Join us each week as we engage the city of man with the biblical wisdom of the city of God. How do you survive as a Christian in 2021? Let's increase the pitch here. How do you thrive as a Christian in 2021? What's your plan? Do you have a plan? If you have a spouse, have you two talked about a plan? If you have children, have you gathered them and talked about your plan? If you have friends, church members, family members, loved ones, have you all gotten together, sat down and said, the times are evil, the days are crazy, things increasingly feel like they are spiraling out of control. What is our plan? How are we going to not only survive these evil days, how are we going to thrive in them? You see, as a Christian, you have to play both defense and offense. You have to not be taken captive, Colossians 2.8, by any ungodly ideology and by extent by the world itself. You cannot let yourself be taken captive, which means that the world is playing offense against you. The devil is playing offense against you. The devil has a game plan drawn up against you, your loved ones, your family, your church, your ministry, whatever it may be in your given case. He is playing offense against you. You need, to play off, you need to play defense, excuse me, against him. Play defense. Play it hard. But that's not all. You need to also turn the tables on the devil, and you need to play offense as well. You need to go on the offense against him. You need to have a plan by which you are going to attack him. You need to have a plan by which you are going to kill your own sin. Our own sin, of course, is our foremost problem. Your sin is your foremost problem in your life, and my sin is my foremost problem in my life. It's not circumstances. It's not somebody else. It's not even a a difficult situation, such as Christians find themselves in, in in a real sense. No. In any and all circumstances, every day we live, we are the biggest problem we face. So we're not victims. We're criminals. We're effectively considered criminals in the biblical mind as if we had been in the garden with Adam and Eve, as if we had committed Adam's sin and fallen with Adam, because we did. We fell in Adam. If we were there, we would have done what he did. So we're not victims. We're fellow criminals. And that means we've got to go on the offensive against our sin, all of us. As a married couple, you have to go on the offensive. Husbands, you have to lead in this. You have to lead your wife. You have to lead your whole family by extension. How are you going to survive as a Christian? How are you going to play defense? against the world, the flesh, and the devil. How are you going to thrive as a Christian? Because thriving involves offense. How are you going to game it out such that you are not carried away by every wind of doctrine, but instead, in a 2 Corinthians 10, 5 sense, you take every thought captive. You're not taken captive by the world, the flesh, and the devil. You take every thought captive. You don't let Satan see you as an easy target because you're not an easy target, because you are drenched in God's goodness, God's revelation, God's grace, 
God's joy, you are going hard, full throttle after God, surviving and thriving as a Christian in 2021. What is our plan? Let's sharpen that, shall we? What is our battle plan? I want to give you seven quick thoughts on this humble little podcast that will hopefully help you think and frame out a battle plan for 2021, surviving and thriving as a blood-bought believer of the Lord Jesus Christ first. I would suggest to you that we need to be God-centered. We need to be God-centered. We need to pursue God-centeredness in every dimension of our life. We need to start our days with God. We need to see God as the most important, important part of our life. We need to pursue God above all else. We want God's fame, God's reputation to be great. We want to live a doxological life. That means a God-glorifying life. That means that we understand our lives not as an exercise in self-glorification, that we have a lot to do, though God gives us a lot, though there's a lot on our plate, and that's very exciting. There's tremendous agency as a Christian. But no, our life is not about self-glorification. It's about God-glorification. So how can I comprehensively glorify God? Every morning I wake up, how can I glorify God today? When you take stock uh, of your day in the midst of it, how am I doing today? Am I glorifying God? Am I living according to the prerogatives of the Word? More on that in just a moment. Is my day reflecting the greatness, awesomeness, beauty, excellency of Jesus Christ? Or am I giving off uh, uh, a blurry, fuzzy, half-dim glow, and my Christian light is not nearly at full strength? I want to be God-centered, don't you? Isn't that what conversion executes? Conversion is not a makeover, as Steve Lawson has said. Conversion is a divine takeover. So when God takes us over, it means that he switches things, doesn't he? He switches us from being centered in ourselves. Life is about us. Life is about me. Life is about what I want. My days are filled with me and what I want to do. And he switches it to his prerogatives and his, pro- his program. Life is now about him. I want to glorify him. I want to obey him. I want to follow him. I want to look more like him. Second part of our battle plan, we need to be tough-minded There's not enough talk about this in the Christian church. It's kind of assumed that if we follow God and if we somehow survive the trials that come our way and if we can navigate all the brokenness that's around us, then we'll basically get to where we need to be. And it's all a rather Eeyore-ish take on the Christian life. It's all a rather Winnie the Pooh version of the Christian life. And by the way, I love Winnie the Pooh. A.A. Milne is one of the funniest and sharpest, shrewdest writers out there. But the Bible's not Winnie the Pooh, and we need to be tough-minded. We need to be those who are pursuing discipline in our lives and who do not think that we have signed up for everything to be nice, neat, and clean around us. Jesus is not, in being the Savior of, of all things, those who repent and put their trust in him, that is, He's not the one who comes and gives us a cup of hot cocoa every day. That's not what it fundamentally means to be a Christian. It means that you are following a warrior king on a warrior mission against the principalities and powers of darkness. And that involves tough-mindedness. It means that you are not a vacationer staying at a bed and breakfast in this fallen world. You and I get bursts of rest and repose and refreshment, and that's wonderful. 
absolutely wonderful. You can trace that all the way back to the garden. And then in a post-fall world, there were seasons of jubilee and feasting and, and delight and all sorts of such things in ancient Israel and beyond. And yet, we're not fundamentally on the ultimate B&B trip here. We are following the warrior king, and we're like an army on the move. Certain armies in history did not take a, a lot of time to set up an encampment and then sort of create a base in a given place. That's ancient warfare, and there was a place for it in certain times. But more modern warfare, and you can find it all throughout the history of warfare, involved not having a strong supply base and setting up a camp that you would hold for months and even years on end, but living lean, living off the land, being on the run, being mobile, not carrying much. And that's the kind of army we are. We are the, we are the soldiers of Christ. We are to put on the full armor of Jesus Christ, Ephesians 6. And what that means is that we live lean. I'm not saying you can't have money. I'm not saying you can't have a nice house or two cars or something like this. That's not the point I'm making. I'm talking about a mindset more than I'm talking about a bank account. God does not condemn the rich in 1 Timothy 6. What God calls us to do is to follow him, whatever our income level. So we need to be tough-minded. We need to think of ourselves not as if we are staying by the Caribbean on a permanent basis, but as if we are on a wartime footing. And that involves tough-mindedness. How are you cultivating tough-mindedness? How are you developing it in your children? Do you practice this in some form on a daily or weekly basis? I pray you do. Third, we need to be Christ-proclaiming. I did not say Christ-sharing. I've mentioned this on previous podcasts. We're not sharing anything. We are proclaiming a crucified and a resurrected Lord, the master, the one who has the rights to the universe. You, you look at the registration card of the cosmos, and underneath the line that says owner is the name Jesus Christ, King Jesus. So we're not sharing. We're not just, um, we're not just telling a nice little story here as Christians. We are proclaiming, heralding, and declaring that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, and that shapes everything. Some of y'all hearing me say this think that I'm saying something very basic and Sunday schoolish. and praise God if I am. I don't usually get above that level, I'll admit. But actually, I, I do mean something strongly theological here. I mean that we're not, just, we're not just saying that Jesus happens to be the one we've trusted. Sometimes that's the way we all soften the faith as we get a little nervous in our gospel sharing. <laughs> There's the word, isn't it? In our gospel proclamation, better. But we're not just telling a little story about our own little life when we tell people about Jesus Christ. We are, hear me again, declaring that Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's not that we have done God a favor by bowing the knee to King Jesus. It's that every knee is going to bow one way or another, and everyone is commanded of God to repent for their sins. Please hear me loud and clear. This is not the spirit of the age. This is not the way of talking about the Christian faith that even some Christians adopt today. We are proclaiming a king who has commanded people to follow him. He is a gracious Lord and master. He is not like earthly lords and master. He is perfect. He is perfectly kind, perfectly loving, 
perfectly merciful, perfectly just. He is the perfect judge of all the earth. We are proclaiming him. We are calling people to follow him. He has demanded worship of us. It is his right. No one is doing God a favor in becoming a Christian. So we are only heralding and declaring the truth about King Jesus, about God the Father, the one who has set up all things for the maximal glory of his Son, and the glory of his Son redounds to his own glory. And all this is accomplished through the Holy Spirit in us. Fourth, we need to be word-saturated. We need to be drinking in the Word of God. There is never going to be a strong biblical Christian if there is not a strong commitment to Scripture. It's not going to happen. If you're going to be a good astrophysicist, you have to study astrophysics. If you're going to be a good soccer player in the Premier League, you've got to work on your craft. If you're going to be an excellent architect, you've got to uh, get into the books and figure out how to design some houses. If you're going to be a godly man or a godly woman, you've got to be in the Word. You've got to be saturating your mind in the Word. You want to be reading it all throughout the week. You want to have it on little post-it notes or notifications on your phone or in books that you're reading regularly. You want it to be in your speech. You want it to be in your prayers. You want to put on little earbuds or headphones and go for a walk or sit in your car and listen to some strong, biblically saturated music. If you are going to survive and thrive as a Christian, intake of the Word of God is not incidental to that goal. It is essential to it. It is not going to happen that a soldier is going to be effective at his warrior craft if he never gives any attention to war. He has to dedicate and devote himself to the art of war, the practice of war. So too for a Christian. You've got to take up the Word. It's right there in front of you. You've got to take it up. You've got to take it up in order to play defense because, listen to me, there's a lot of world coming at you. There's a lot of world that you're going to battle from within. Desires, ungodly desires, ungodly thoughts, ungodly impulses, even as a Christian, yes, from within. The power of sin is gloriously broken for you if you are in Christ. Romans 6, unequivocally, irrevocably broken. And yet, though the power of sin is broken for the Christian by the cross of Christ, regenerating faith, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of sin remains until we go to glory, until Jesus returns. So, in order to defeat sin outside, and in order to defeat sin that bubbles up from the inside, be a word-saturated believer. Fifth, be a church-strengthening Christian. Be a church-strengthening Christian. I pray that if you listen to this little podcast, that you've hopefully been a little bit encouraged by reports, mostly from Canada, that I've talked about in recent weeks about, frankly, courageous pastors. In Western Canada, James Coates, most prominently, and in Eastern Canada, Jacob Rayom, 
most prominently, and the elders who stand with them, the godly men who lead the flock with them, and then godly congregations alongside them who, who are following the elders who shepherd their souls as under-shepherds of Christ. I pray you've been encouraged and stirred by those stories. And I pray, by the way, if you have some form of church leadership that you are battling to do everything you can to meet and to meet uh, without encumbrances from the state. I've said it before. I'll say it again. There are hard issues faced in different contexts. There are very difficult questions that pastors and elders are facing today, congregations are facing. That is all true, and we need much wisdom and dependence on the Spirit uh, to handle difficult days like these. So let's recognize that we probably will not all land at exactly the same point uh, when it comes to the lockdown and ongoing effects of the lockdown globally, wherever we may be. But let's also commit to this, that we are not fundamentally called to follow the lordship of Caesar. We are called to submit to the government, but Caesar is not our lord. Caesar did not die for us. Caesar has not risen from the grave for us. No governor, no king, no president, no prime minister has shed their blood to atone for our sin. Only Jesus Christ has done that. Jesus Christ has the rights. Jesus Christ has the rights not only to the cosmos, as I said earlier, which is true, but Jesus Christ has the rights to the church. And he has given the church effectively the right to govern itself. He has not called the state to order the worship of the church. He has called the church to order its own worship. As a Christian, then, be a church-strengthening Christian. Go to church as much as you possibly can. If your church still is not open and you're not detecting a strong, sound spirit there, it honestly may be time, I think it probably is time, to figure out whether you should be in another body that is going to meet and that is going to feed your soul. I, I don't encourage you to leave if you must leave out of some spirit of burn-it-all-down defiance. I encourage you to leave in a spirit of Christian charity and love and also clarity, saying whoever needs to hear that you are going because you do not want to disobey Hebrews 10.25 and neglect the assembling together of the saints. If you can find a body of saints, a congregation that is preaching the Word of God in a faithful way, I didn't say perfect, I said faithful, then join them. Join them. Life is too short to sit at home live streaming. We can do that for a few weeks, maybe even a few months as we think back over the last year, but a year is too long. It is time for you to figure out as much as you possibly can how to gather with the body of Christ. Do whatever you need to do. Beg, borrow, or steal in a spiritual sense to get to church. And then once you're there, once you're with the people of God, strengthen them. Don't get there and be a mopey member, a down-in-the-mouth member, a complaining member. There's going to be things to sort out. It's not going to be a perfect body. If it was, <laughs> as I've heard numerous voices in the Christian ministry say, now that you're joining it, it's not anymore. Be a church-strengthening Christian. Don't go in expecting to be strengthened alone. I'm sure you will be if it's a strong Bible-preaching assembly. Go in playing offense. 
offense against the devil. Go in to strengthen those brothers and sisters. You may not have Charles Spurgeon's 600 horsepower gifting to bring to this congregation. That's fine. God has made you who you are. You bring what God has given you to that church. Six, let's be reputation-disdaining Christians. Let's not care a fig for our reputation. Someone out there might listen and think, whoa, uh, Strand, this guy with the weird Gaelic pronouncing last name of a Scottish kind, just told me that it doesn't matter what unbelievers think of me. He's denied 1 Timothy 3, for example. No, no. Elders must be, to the fullest possible extent anyway, well thought of by outsiders. That's, that's moral standing. We must all, as believers, cultivate the best moral standing we can by the power of the Spirit. I'm all for that. You, you want and you should pray for a good moral reputation. Please do not burn up the cause of Christ by an ungodly lifestyle and then publicly claim the name of Jesus Christ. That is terrible. That's not at all what we're after. No, what we mean is this. We're talking about social reputation, not moral reputation. Note the distinction clearly for those of you out there uh, who, who, who are wondering, who have questions along those lines. Your social reputation is whether man likes you. Your social reputation is whether you're popular and well-liked, whether people think you're neat and nice. I want you to be a Christian. I pray you will be. I pray I will be a Christian for whom Christ is your life, Colossians 3, 4. That's it. End of story. Christ is my life. By extension, Christ is my all. Christ is my image. Christ is my reputation. Christ is my brand. You look at me, I hope you see Christ. I know you're not going to see him perfectly at all, but I pray that's what people think of. I pray I'm pointing them to Christ by my words, my actions, how I live, my patterns. I want to be a Christ-exalting Christian, and in order to be a Christ-exalting Christian, I've got to be a reputation-disdaining Christian. I can't be fearing man. I can't be worrying about what man thinks about me. I don't care what people think about me. I pray we won't as believers. Friends, I think we are in danger of being submerged by the fear of man today. I think popularity, desire for it, craving for acceptance and approval by the culture is in danger of completely flooding us, swamping our witness, quieting our proclamation, locking down our churches once and for all, silencing the witness of the people of Jesus Christ. And God, give us some pastors who don't care what people think about them in terms of being liked, in terms of being popular, in terms of being culturally approved of. They put Jesus on a cross. They put 11 of the 12 apostles in graves. How is that for reputation management? There's a line of blood, a trail of crimson that stretches all throughout Christian history. How's that for managing reputation? Many of the leaders of the English Reformation and beyond were martyred for the Christian faith. Even into the current day, missionaries and Christians around the world pay in blood 
for the name of King Jesus. So who are you and I to care about what man thinks of us? Seventh and finally, let's be last day watching Christians. Today is the day the Lord has made, but today matters ultimately because only one day matters, the last day. We are all headed to the great white throne of judgment. The unbeliever scrambles and tries desperately to deny this truth, this biblical reality. The unbeliever tries to tell us that death is just the cessation of existence. Everything fades to black. You go into the ground. Or, conversely, everybody just goes to heaven or some version of heaven that they like. It is a lie. Everyone who knows Christ Jesus as Savior through repentance and faith in his death and resurrection goes to heaven. And everyone who does not know Jesus goes to hell everlastingly. Eternal judgment, eternal condemnation. Those are the stakes. That is where we are all headed. Eternity, specifically either eternity with God or eternity being judged. We need to live oriented to the last day. Brothers and sisters, keep your eyes on the horizon. The king is going to return. Watch the last day. Watch for the return of the king. It's not far away. Even if the king does not return in his second coming in your lifetime, death is just around the corner for you and me. Today matters, but it doesn't matter because it's an exercise, an expression of self, and you and me becoming our best selves. Today matters because we're living into eternity, because we're storing up as believers rewards for the great white throne, and God will personally and gloriously and so generously reward his children. Live, live for that day. It's coming. It's real. It's more real than what is in front of you. Be a last day watching Christian. Brothers and sisters, don't just survive as a believer. Let's thrive as believers. Let's have a battle plan for this time, for 2021. Soon and very soon, we shall all be home. The last day is not far off, moving away from us. The last day is coming towards us. By the grace of God, by the power of Christ, shown to needy creatures, desperate sinners like us, all the power we need to get there being ours. Let us get ready. Thanks for listening to City of God, a podcast at the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful you stopped by. We encourage you to continue to join the conversation at cpt.mbts.edu, the official website of the center. And we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Join us in coming days as we continue the conversation on what it means to be the city of God in the city of man. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.